This week we are continuing our sermon series as we look at some of the miracles of Jesus, but not only look at Jesus' power in these miracles, we're looking at what this miracle actually means to me as I leave outside these doors or wherever you are listening. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, July 17th, 2016. End of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We're in the middle of a sermon series, which I shared with you, Miracle at the Gate. We're just doing this for the month of July. And we're looking at some of Jesus' miracles in the book of Luke, specifically. And we said the trickiest thing with all miracles is not figuring out that miracles show Jesus' power. They all do. Uh, The tricky thing is trying to figure out, like, what does this actually mean for me? So my friend, uh, Pastor Klott, was here just a few weeks ago, and he shared about the miraculous catch of fish, which shows very clearly um, it was on the wrong time of day, in the wrong part of the lake, and still there was amazing. And what was Peter's reaction when he saw this great miracle? He said, I'm a sinful man. i got to get out of here because he recognized the power in it. So sometimes you see miracles. Um, they're all amazing, but there's just different degrees kind of depending on how familiar you are with the miracle, for example, there. Um, last week we looked at uh, Jesus' power to send out the demon, and I think personally that's a big thing for me because I'm really uncomfortable with any dark arts types of things and demons and I don't like any of it. So to see that we have a savior who can just step in and tell a demon be quiet and get out, I think is for me personally is a huge thing. And um, because ultimately as we agree with the apostle Paul, right? Our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The deal is that we, we hardly ever see it. This still feels loud. Does this feel loud and echoey? No. Everyone's saying no? A little bit. Depends on where you're sitting. Can you turn it down just a little bit? I'll edit that out. I always edit it so I sound like uh, Morgan Freeman anyway when I put it online, so don't, don't worry. It takes a lot of editing, a lot of voice box work. Um, so the, the thing that we're looking at, so even if your biggest issue, and it's true, I mean, it's a big deal if you can't pay your bills this month. It's a big deal if you don't have a job. It's a big deal if you're hurt. It's a big deal if your kids are sick. Ultimately, that's not our biggest issue. Our biggest issue is spiritual. We just rarely see it. It's, it's rarely that we see a demon possession or something like that. So I think it's pretty awesome when you see God step into this world and say, I have power over spiritual things and physical things. Um, the one that we're going to look at today is feeding of the 5,000, which is pretty basic. Is there anyone who has never heard of this miracle? Even if you don't go to church, this is like one of the miracles you know, right? There's probably like 50 memes about this. Probably the most memed thing would be Jesus walking on water. That's my guess, if you just find that on the internet. And then number two would be like feeding the 5,000. So everyone knows this miracle. The question, I think, which is again difficult, what does this actually mean for me? So I'm going to tell you, we're going to walk through the situation And then we're going to talk about what it means to me. And what you'll find, I think, is that Jesus often prepares our hearts for the amazing and then demonstrates the amazing. And then I got one more part, which I won't tell you until the end. So picture this. The disciples had just gone out. They're all preaching. They're all pretty tired. And then they come back, and they they need a sabbatical. Does anyone, can can you relate to that, wanting a break? No kid is raising it. When I was a kid, this was really confusing to me. Because if God can make the world... And, like, he can do all these things. Did that blow your mind that he needed a break? Is there anyone who, who struggled with that? I just figured Jesus would just go all the time, you know, like never. But as an adult, this makes a lot of sense, right? Because how many of you could use a break right now? Like, if I offered you, like, 
All your work at work would be done by someone else. You all rolled your eyes right there. And if someone else was going to do your work, you could just go away for like even a day. How many of you could appreciate that? Nice, nice. So just, just picture this. You're getting ready for this break. This is what's happening for Jesus. They just spent all this time, and the, the, the crowds are always going on them. The disciples spent all this work. And if you need a break, sometimes it's physical and mental. Like if you're a farmer, for example, you don't usually interact with a lot of people, I'm guessing. But you get tired because you work from like before I want to get up until before I want to go, you know, until after I want to go to bed. That's, that's your work day. You're just tired. You fall into bed. It's a little bit different, though, when you work with people. So how many people here work with people? It's a whole different thing, right? So you, this is how it played out. I imagine for the first time you realize this, is one of you is working. One of you is maybe watching, especially if you have kids. One of you is watching the kids, and then one of you goes to work. If that's where you're blessed, this is where it becomes very, very clear. You work with people all day, and then you come home. You just worked with people all day. What's the last thing you want to do? Talk to a human being. Like... If you had an option between sitting and watching TV for an hour or talking to a human, that's the last thing you do. Now, if you just raised a toddler for like nine hours, what's the, what's the, what's the last thing you want to do? Like watch TV. You want to talk to a human being. They can't, like This came true when Amy and I would come home, and Amy could not wait to have a conversation, and I'm like, I just can't. I just I can't. So now if you drive by us, we look like the weird couple because sometimes I'm like reading the news in my car, even though I'm home, and they got to be thinking, like, what a loser. Why doesn't he hang out with his wife? Well, I need a little bit of, like, a buffer after working with people and talking to people before you can, like, step in and, like, give to your family. It's the same thing is true. You see that with auto mechanics. Who has the car that's not running? The auto mechanic. And who, who's the, you know, like, nurses who don't stay in shape or doctors who never go to the doctors? Anyone know anyone like this? Finance people. My friend who was an accountant didn't even balance his checkbook. Like, I was, like, doing all these things. And he's an accountant. He's like, oh, I just checked the ATM slip. I'm like, what? So anyway, what we're getting at is you get tired. And so that's not a real surprise for Jesus and his disciples. He sits down. He says, hey, let's, let's go and let's get some respite. Let's get some, uh, we get the word sabbatical. If you've heard that term, Shabbat, it's the same thing, rest. Let's get some rest. We'll pray. We'll get some time away. And then the crowd comes. So now I want you to just imagine what, just think of your little break. Don't think of it like it's Jesus. What would that be like for Jesus? Just think of it as your break. So I, I gave you some scenarios. Uh, number one is you just watched kids all day long, and you just sat down. They, they just, the kids just went to sleep. And you just sat down, and you have a glass of wine right here. Can you picture this, anybody? All right, all right. Uh, scenario number two is you just had the, like this long business meeting, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, and you just sit down and you turn on whatever TV show and you're ready to like Netflix guzzle like four episodes. You just, just picture, you're just getting ready to sit down. Imagine this, you ready? You're just sitting down. You just went on vacation. You worked super hard to get everything done. And you're on vacation and you've done the suitcases, they're all done. You're on the beach. You're getting ready. Everything is good. The waiter is coming. There's a smile on your face, and then you get a tap on your shoulder. It's your boss who happens to be there. He's like, hey, I'm glad I found you. How would you feel? How do you feel? Like, remember, you just got that glass of wine with your kids, and then the kids start to cry. How many of you have said, I need a minute here. Um, 
Have you ever been there? You know what I mean? Like, just admit, whatever your break is, I don't know what it is, just you, you finally have that moment, and like your phone rings, or someone taps you on the shoulder, and someone wants your time. It, I think then you can appreciate where Jesus and his disciples were. What in the world would push Jesus to actually interact with these people? Like, what would compel him to go forward and interact with people, even though he's on a break? Well, do you know how that finishes? This is from Matthew, a little bit different thing. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had, does anyone know the word? Compassion on them. And we're going to talk a little bit later about compassion, but compassion is not giving from your excess of stuff. Like, I have a garage with junk in it. If you need some of my junk, it is no loss to me to give you that junk. In fact, it's beneficial because you're taking my junk. Um, what we're talking about when we talk compassion is you're giving something up to try and help. So your heart is going out to the point that you want to give something up of yours to help somebody else out. So the story, as it continues, not only does Jesus have compassion on they, they learn that he's away. This is back in Luke. He welcomes the people, which is mind-blowing, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed healing. So he handles their spiritual needs with the kingdom of God and then he heals them. And he has, he's pouring out into these people and you're the disciples, imagine. Now you have to have, a, does anyone have a parent who's really giving? Like a dad who is like, who would move anybody if they needed it. Does anyone have a mom who if anybody needed anything, they would be there for them? Now that's really awesome, right? When they're helping you. When is it not awesome? When they're willing to like always go, that's how my parents were. So they helped out. They were always giving people rides to church. They were always giving people meals. They were always, there was a family that moved here from Laos. So they like helped their whole education and get them registered for school and all this stuff. It's all great if you're that person being helped or you're my mom. My mom's getting filled up by this. And here I am as a kid like, how about a little love this way, right? You ever feel that way? So now imagine you're the disciples. That's, that's the situation here. Jesus is always giving, always giving. And the disciples went to go have this break with Jesus. And it gets to the end of the day, and you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. You give. That's great. That's awesome. We get to see these things. So now they have a conversation. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him, so they have like a posse that comes. It's not just like one of them, a spokesperson. They kind of come, and you can imagine them like, ah, we got a plan here. Uh, just, just look in for the schedule for the rest of the day. How about, um, I'm thinking, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. What do you think? Because like, we're thinking like nap time. That's what I'm thinking. We came here for a break. Now imagine your parent. Now you're picturing your parent that always gives. Now you're on vacation. You finally get this time with your parent, and then they're all helping everybody else out. You're like, okay, let's just, can we just, as a family, just relax? That's what the disciples are saying. So Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. And then the disciples said, okay, we've got a plan. How about we send the crowd away so they can go get to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. That's not what they said. They're like, come on. All right, maybe you misunderstood Jesus, but here's our situation. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go out and buy food for all this crowd. And in a different account, they give an estimate even like what that would cost. And they're like, that would take like 200 days labor. In our dollars, that would be like twenty to $40,000. So I like, and like, we don't have that kind of cash. We got to get rid of these people so we can take naps. That's what they're getting at. Why would Jesus go through the trouble to have this whole conversation? Like if his main goal was just to feed the crowd, why wouldn't he just have like carts show up and feed the crowd? 
Like, why would he go through the trouble? You ever wonder that? Why would you have this whole dialogue with the disciples, and the disciples are like, no, Jesus, we have nothing. And he's like, well, take care of it. We can't. And then why, why would he do that? Well, I think there's a number of times, my guess is if God has provided in your life, there's a number of times where God has prepared your heart to see something amazing. And I think this happens a lot in our life. So maybe you lost a job, and if you got a job the next day, it wouldn't be a big thing. You're like, okay, awesome. But what happens if you don't have a job for like two months? You have a different perspective on how God provides for you. Or maybe um, God lets you just roll down some path where you think, here I'm going to find some satisfaction, whatever that is. I'm going to find some satisfaction in a person or sports or you name it, investments or work. I'm going to find satisfaction. God just lets you run all the way down that path before he shows you something amazing that you can't be filled up and find satisfaction except in me. So maybe, and it's one I think will hit home a little bit. Um, You don't have to raise your hand, but I know some of you long to get pregnant, like Hannah in the Bible, right? So Hannah in the Bible wished to have a son. That's what she dreamed of. And they show her in the temple. And when the priest comes across her, she's praying so hard, he's positive she's drunk. Now, I know for a fact some of you long to be pregnant. And maybe you just waited a couple of hours like the disciples. But maybe it was years. Maybe it's like people I know over a decade. And what does it mean for you? Now, God doesn't promise everyone's going to have kids, but what does it mean for you when you finally have that joy of birth and you have a son or daughter in your arms because God has prepared your heart for something amazing? And I think we see that happen a lot. And here's the exact thing I think that's happening here. Jesus didn't just send food in. Instead, he lets the disciples say, I want to prepare your heart for something amazing. And probably the clearest place this happens in all the Bible let me ask you this. Why do we talk about sin as a church? Do you ever wonder that? Like, why do, you, why do you spend time on this downer stuff? Like, why do you talk about how I have, uh, I, I don't live up to God's word and how I fail all the time and how, I, why do we confess our sins like every week? Do we have to really do that every week? Really? Do we have to? Can't we just dwell on the positive stuff like Joel Osteen? He's positive. Why is my pastor so negative, right? You're like, why? Well, unless your heart is prepared, and that's really what the Holy Spirit does, right? The Holy Spirit, when God shows you his law and you see that I haven't lived up to it, when God shows you his law and you say, like, I haven't done it, when God shows you that God doesn't owe you anything, in fact, when you come here, every single day is a gift of God's grace. You have a different perspective when you see a Jesus who steps into your world. Because only through Christ and only through the Holy Spirit is your, your heart prepared. As you see, I don't deserve anything that God says, now I send my Savior to step into this world. That's what we're seeing. So this is exactly the scenario that is happening with the disciples. And here is the food situation that they have. So this, I looked it up to look up Galilean fish. And this is what came up. This is called St. Peter's fish, I think it's called. Has anyone ever had it? Look pretty appetizing. I think you could feed 5,000 people with this because you'd say, like, this is what we're serving. And everyone's like, I'm good. I just ate two days ago. <laughs> so the, 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 this is the scenario. So they have these two fish, and I figured it out by grams. You know, that's not the whole point of the story, but it moves on. So there's 5,000 men here. And Jesus said, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke this food. 
Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets fulls of broken pieces that were left over. Not only does God prepare your heart to see something amazing, sometimes God uses you to distribute that amazing. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus could have miraculously just made food show up. He gives the disciples an opportunity. Now, this is really clear, right? Did the disciples provide the food? No. Jesus provides the food. They're the ones who give it to the people. So I think we have to ask ourselves two questions. Number one, what has God given me? When we talk compassion, as I had in the previous slide, when we talk compassion, you say, okay, in theory, I think every one of us wants to be compassionate. Is there anyone here who would not want to be compassionate? Like on a survey, if people would describe you and you'd say, which attributes, and I gave you like 20, and compassionate was one of them, is that one you would want people to describe you? I'm guessing yes, right? But there's a problem, right? Every one of us, in theory, wants to be compassionate. The reality is we're tired. So in theory, you'd like to give and help and pour into the community and pour into your family, but the reality is you're tired. So imagine your scenario. You're about ready to sit down with your glass of wine at the end of the day, and your kids are now in bed, and you hear that cry. What compels you to stand up and take care of your kids? You're getting ready to sit, and you're all alone, so your spouse is even around. You've got the house to yourself, and no kids are around, and you're getting ready to watch this TV show, and then the door knocks, and it's your neighbor. What compels you to answer the door? Like, what compels you when someone goes before you and says, hey, I need your help? What moves you forward? Well, the Bible tells us that Christ's love compels us. The only thing that helps us move outside of that is Christ's love. And in our first question we have to ask ourselves is, what has God given me? Every one of you has different gifts and different things that you can give people. Compassion says we want to share that thing. So what is the thing that uniquely God has given you that you can share to fill somebody up? What, what is it? Maybe God has blessed you with money and you say, this is something I can pour into people. Maybe you're good with computers and that's some way that you can change someone's life. Maybe you're a good listener. Not a lot of good listeners. Maybe you're a good listener Maybe you know God's counsel and you can share God's word. Maybe, what is it? Think in your mind right now, what is the one unique thing that God has given me that if I had the chance and I had endless energy, I would be pouring into other people? Second question is this, how am I going to fill people up? Which is basically asking this question. What am I going to give up so that I can fill someone else up? It is no big thing if you give people your extras. They say that we're the most generous nation in the the world. Big deal. You know why? Because we have so much money. It's not a big deal if we give 10%. It really isn't, I think. Because is there a single person here who is wondering if you're going to eat today? Is there anybody here? It's not if you're going to eat, it's what you're going to eat. And some of you are wondering, like, which restaurant are we going to eat at as a family, right, after church? Because that's like the big bonus, right? You go to church and then you get to go out to eat. I think it's kind of awesome. You get donuts, too. So, So you're trying to figure this out. What are you willing to give up? to try and fill people up with the gift that God has given you? And I think that's the real question we have to ask ourselves. The disciples are here with Jesus. The disciples wanted a break. They see Jesus in action, and Jesus has a break, and he says, I'm willing to give something up. You know what else he's willing to give up? 
the comfort of heaven to come into this earth. You know, all else he's willing to give up? His life for you. All these things he's willing to give up. So ask yourself, and that's how we're going to just finish today. As you're trying to figure out, what does this miracle mean to me? Obviously, Jesus has power. But Jesus uses his power to give you gifts. And I think we have to ask ourselves, what gift has God given me? And how am I going to use that gift? What am I willing to give up to try and fill someone else up? Amen. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, we step back and we see that you've given us so many gifts. Have you given us so many things? Uh, we're not worried about meals. We're not worried about uh, getting a piece of bread today. Uh, but instead, you've given us unique things. Some of us, it's money. Some of it, it's time. Some of it, it's energy. Some of it, we understand uh, books. We understand uh, we could tutor. We could, there's so many things we can do. The problem is our heart does not always line up with our time. So we're asking today that you show clearly what gifts you've given us. And we want us to lay bare how we've wasted our time on ourselves at times. What can we give up personally so that we can pour into other people? Uh, many of us have experienced your work in our lives. You've prepared our heart for that. And sometimes it's a time of drought and it feels like a famine and then we see your blessing. What we're asking is that for there's people around us who are in a time of famine and, and need and want, Use us in the gifts you've given us to show them amazing and just give a, a glimmer of your love. Ultimately, it's not so they praise us, but so that they praise you and we get a chance to show them where our joy comes from and what compels us to get off the couch and answer the door and answer the phone and give up time and, and leave early from work. What, what compels us? The same thing that compelled you, where it says, your love compels us. Amen.